we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today on the show. My name is Walker Wildman. This is AFA at The Core here on American Family Radio Network. I'm your host, Walker Wildman, once again. Hey, welcome to the show. I want to remind our audience and probably a good reminder for myself why the show is named AFA at the core. So when we started this show last year in 2021, uh, we were brainstorming names for the show. And one of our team members, not I, <laughs> so not taking credit for this, but one of our team what about AFA at the core and talk about the core values of American Family Association? So we thought that was a great idea. So we named the show AFA at the core. AFA, of course, referencing American Family Association, which my grandfather, Don Wilbin, founded back in 1977. And then AFA at the core, uh, referencing our core values. And these core values are what drive our work. Here they are. Here's six, our six core values that drive our work. And of course, our core values go directly back to God's word. They go directly back to scripture. Evangelism and discipleship, that's our first core value. Marriage and family, that's our second core value. Morality is our third. And, uh, you know, morality can be taken a lot of different directions in today's society, but we're talking about biblical morality. What does God's word say about how we should act as moral agents on God's behalf? Sanctity of human life, that's our fourth core value. Stewardship is our fifth core value, and then lastly, religious liberty. And all of our core values are rooted in God's Word. Why do we care about these issues? Because God cares about these core values that that drive the work here at American Family Association. So that's just a little backgrounder about the name of the show. Hey, if you want to listen live, you can do so by going to our website, AFR.net, AFR.net, or you can download the American Family Radio app on your smartphone, on your tablet device. So two ways there to listen live to the audio. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, The Core, AFA at The Core podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. So whatever platform you use, whatever software you use to listen to podcasts, you can search uh, AFA at the core or search my name, Walker Wildman, and uh, it should pop up there and you can click the little subscribe button and uh, our, our show will be loaded into your podcast app uh, whenever you want to go and listen at your convenience. And that's the, the beauty of the internet and uh, technology is you can fetch content at the convenience of you, the listener. You don't have to tune in live, although that's good, but you can get the content whenever is convenient for you. So do that by subscribing to AFA at the Core podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, jumping into our scripture for the day, we're in Psalm chapter 25. Uh, Psalm chapter 25. 
I'm going to read just a couple of verses here in uh, Psalm chapter 25. I'm going to read 4 and 5. This is David here. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. And so David here is pleading to the Lord, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So David says he's waiting. He's waiting on the Lord to help him be reminded of the ways of the Lord. So a challenge for us and a truth for us this week is that we have to have the Lord. And once the Holy Spirit comes in our life, once we believe, Scripture says, we must believe. You know, many people want to complicate or make the salvation experience complicated, complex, convoluted. But when Jesus was questioned by the Pharisees, when Jesus was questioned by the public, what must we do to be saved? The, the, the public, they were expecting some long, drawn-out, seven-step plan into salvation. What does Jesus say? Believe in me. Believe that I am the Son of God and I have come to rescue humanity. What must uh, uh, humanity do to be saved? They must believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And so once we believe, though, the work just begins. The work just begins once we believe, once we have eternal life, once we have salvation in Christ Jesus. Then God can make known his ways. He can teach us his paths. He can lead us in his truth and teach us. And David ends by saying, you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. So Psalm Chapter 25, verse 4 and 5 is what I want to highlight this week. Well, moving into some of the stories for today, um, I wanted to bring up this um, this 40 billion, 40 billion with a B, uh, dollar aid package, if that's what you want to call it. That's being a little bit generous. This 40 billion dollar aid package that's going to Ukraine. And folks, just just to put this in perspective, I know we've all become desensitized to the B and the T and the M and the million, trillion, billion, and does it really matter which one it is? Um, folks, we're spending more we're, uh, with this passage of this bill. We're spending more in Ukraine four months into a conflict than we spent the entire first year of the war in Afghanistan. Well, what's the key reminder or the key? point uh, to bring in that comparison. Well, the war in Afghanistan was driven by and operated by U.S. troops, and we had thousands of troops there, all kinds of military bases we were setting up, all kind of infrastructure we were building, our own tanks, our own planes, our own trucks, our own everything in Afghanistan, year number one. Well, this is a proxy war supposedly being fought by Ukrainian military, and we're spending more in Ukraine than we did in Afghanistan. This is astonishing. And, of course, if you dare 
to raise any concerns about spending billions in Ukraine, well, then you're mean. You don't support our allies. You're in favor of Putin winning the war in Ukraine, so on and so forth. The gaslighting, oh, does it never stop. And so I actually printed off the legislation. It's about 15 pages long. Can, don't you like how, you know, we pass our annual budget and it's like 2,000 pages long and they release it at midnight the day before the vote. Uh, but we, uh, we, we, do, we send $40 billion to Ukraine and no need to flesh that out. 15 pages will do. No kidding. 15 pages is uh, how long this legislation is. Why is it so short, Walker? Well, it's only 15 pages because we delegate the $40 billion to bureaucrats to tell them that they can figure out how to spend the money. Absolutely not kidding, folks. This is not uh, April Fool's Day. Well, just to break this down, let me play a clip here. Uh, I'm going to play clip four. This is Senator Ted Cruz telling you and I why we should support spending $40 billion in Ukraine. Clip four, Cruz, let's listen. Listen, Russia is a very real danger. Putin is a very real danger, but there's a bigger danger, and that's China. Communist China is watching this. She is watching this, as you remember, and I said this on the podcast. When Joe Biden surrendered to the Taliban and had the disastrous failure in Afghanistan, I said at the time the chances of Putin invading Ukraine have just risen tenfold. And I said the chances of China invading Taiwan have risen tenfold because they've looked at the man in the Oval Office. They've taken the measure of the man. Well, right now, she is watching what happens in Ukraine. And if Putin wins, and even more importantly, if Putin wins because America lost the stomach for supporting our allies, decided, you know what, even though the Ukrainians are heroically defeating the Russians, even while outmanned, little old grandmothers throwing Molotov cocktails, the Americans were so feckless, we said, sorry, we're cutting off your bullets and missiles. Good luck winning a war, you know, with no bullets. I think the chances of China invading Taiwan skyrocket dramatically. All right, well, that's that's Senator Ted Cruz. And look, d let's don't play games. Senator Cruz ought to know better than to bring that garbage to the American public. This is Senator Ted Cruz, the Republican conservative out of the state of Texas, trying to sell you and me a bill of goods that we just know is not true. And, and so here's the rebuttal. All right, here's the rebuttal. I know few people who that have said we should not help Ukraine at all. I have heard that by some, but very few people that weigh in on public policy matters, very few, if any, people have said we should not help Ukraine at all, point blank, zero, no help to Ukraine. That, that, that's not a position. That's not a mainstream position in this country. What people have said and what, what I've said is, hey, if we're going to help Ukraine, number one, let's do it wisely. Let's not just throw billions at a war without any long-term strategic goal. That's a warning. And then, and then secondly, does it need to be $40 billion in a day? 
And the answer to that is no, it doesn't have to be 40 billion. And, and the last thing I'll mention is, is this money is not going to bullets and missiles. And so don't even bring that in. That's not true. I've got the bill in front of me. Is some of the money going to bullets and missiles? Yes, it's going to replenish America's stockpile of bullets and missiles. Why? Because we've already sent Ukraine bullets and missiles in weeks past. And so to, 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 to close this topic, here's from the bill, from the legislation, House Bill 7691. This is the bill that Biden signed over the weekend that sent $40 billion to Ukraine. All right, so Cruz says... It's for bullets and missiles. It's for bullets and missiles. And how dare anyone oppose it? All right, so this is uh, about nine pages in. Department of State, they're getting a $190 million for diplomatic programs. $190 million for diplomatic programs. That's not missiles and bullets. $110 million is going to embassy security construction and maintenance. Not 10 million, not a million to beef up the security at the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine. 110 million is going to embassy security, construction, and maintenance. We can build 10 new embassies for $110 million. Moving on to a couple other pages. This is page seven of the bill. Our own Centers for Disease Control, what's their cut out of this? $54 million to the CDC. What is the CDC going to do with $54 million in Ukraine? Well, nobody knows because the bill doesn't say, and we delegate this to the CDC to figure out. Lastly, $900 million for refugee and entrant assistance. So... Not only are we sending $40 billion to Ukraine, but we're spending a billion of it to make sure we can bring as many Ukrainians as possible into America. What's the limit on that? Well, we can't talk limits, Walker, because that's mean-hearted. Send them the $40 billion and don't ask questions. Folks, this is our money, our tax dollars. Senator Cruz works for the American people. He works for the people of Texas. Don't gaslight us. If we want to send missiles and bullets, let's do it. But let's not spend billions with the bureaucrats never to see that money again and for half of it probably to never make it to Ukraine. We'll be back in a few minutes. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. What is the proper role of government? Romans chapter 13 outlines government's function, and it is basically this, to restrain or to punish wickedness and to reward righteousness. Government was never intended to be our savior. Government is our servant. As we focus on our civil occupations and our civic engagement responsibilities, let us never forget that government is not our God. We don't put our trust in it. We put our trust in our Christ. As a result, what we want is a government that stays out of our way and leaves room for our church to do our business of fulfilling the Great Commission. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Is your daughter a type A, all ducks in a row, tie a bow on it kind of gal? She's not alone. It probably comes as no surprise that girls, more so than their male counterparts, struggle with some common effects of the type A personality type, like anxiety, worry, and stress. But what about disorder in her spiritual life? Faith, after all, doesn't come in a tidy package. Our trust in God is often strengthened through trial, revealing His works only after the storms of trouble cease. The solution? Hold her close, close to the idea that God is faithful to His people. Lead her to embody the words of 1 Chronicles, seek the Lord in His strength, seek His presence continually. Slowly start to trust in Him and not feel the constant need for perfect order. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you back with us on the Core. Well, to continue this topic, it's just such a voluminous topic as far as the directions you can take this. But look, the the... My position has been clear, and many, many people in this country, many good citizens of of America, share this point of view, which is why I feel so strongly about it, and I feel the need to share it uh, pretty consistently, is because of the, uh, I I feel like this, this position is not getting the credence or the attention that it deserves. And the position is this, that our country, America, is crumbling by the day. When I say America is crumbling by the day, this is both from a moral and from a physical standpoint. Morally, America has some major, major issues. Abortion is one that's being considered before the Supreme Court now. 63 million babies have been slaughtered in the name of abortion in this country over 45 years. We've we've sanctioned, as, as a country in certain aspects, we've sanctioned sodomy-based marriage, homosexual-based marriage, which we know is not marriage at all because God defines marriage. 
And I could go down the list. Those are not the only two. We can go down the list of ways that America has turned her back on God. You look at the divorce rate. You look at the fatherlessness that is rampant in this country, the breakdown of God's design for marriage and family. You look at the lack of stewardship, which is one of our core values here, along with marriage and family and sanctity of life. But you look at the at the lack of stewardship. I mean, we, we just print money as fast as we can keep the printers going over at the Treasury Department. And so there are, there are genuine good Americans who want to see America focus first and foremost on ensuring that this country can be here for another 200 years. And part of that is, is, is making sure that we are being good stewards of our money and good stewards of our national security and taking care of the homeland. I mean, this is not a hard ask. One of the fundamental duties of every nation in the world throughout human history has been to care for, i.e. protect and secure the rights of its citizens and to ensure that they are in a position to succeed. Not that the government needs to help us succeed or make us succeed or that we need to rely on the government for our success, but the government's primary duty is to protect the homeland and ensure that we have a stable country to thrive in. And then once we do that and once we stop killing our babies, once we can make sure that moms can buy formula for their children, once we make sure that we don't have tens of thousands of illegal invaders coming across our southern border every day, once we ensure that fentanyl in by the by the by the hundreds of thousands of lethal doses by the day is not coming across our border, killing our teenagers and our young, our, our young people. Once we do these things to ensure the basic prosperity of the American homeland and the American people, then we can look at helping our allies and helping other people. And America has been one of the most generous nations throughout world history, if not the most generous nation in world history. We help everybody. And so, so I'm not promoting a position of isolationist or, or, or isolationism or, you know, seclusion or we should just help Americans. No, but, but first and foremost, we must make sure that this country is in a position to thrive and to flourish. And then once we're there, then we can help others. This, that's, this is a basic principle of human decency that you can find throughout Scripture. But what we have now is we have our leaders focused on every other country in the world and building them up. Meanwhile, America is crumbling both morally and physically. We're crumbling, and our leaders are too busy sending $40 billion to Ukraine, letting China eat our lunch, which is a play on what Biden said during the campaign. Oh, China's not going to eat our lunch. They're not a threat. Who are you? Well, China's eating our lunch. But one other topic I want to hit on that really 
uh, relates to this idea that our um, that our leaders have just abandoned the homeland, and they're 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 so focused on conflicts that are way out of our control. The one of the one of the things that Senator Cruz said in the clip, it, last segment, is that you know if we don't support. Ukraine, if we don't fund Ukraine's war against Russia, then, then China will take Taiwan. That's what he says. What, 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 China will take tra- Taiwan. All right, well, l- let me just break the news to the country. If China wanted to take Taiwan, they could do it tomorrow. Well, well what makes you say that, Walker? Why haven't they done it? Well, I don't know why they haven't done it. But mark my word, this is not rocket science, and you don't have to have a degree in foreign diplomacy to figure this out. But if China wanted to take Taiwan, they would do it. And how can I say that with such boldness or confidence? Well, because look at the state of America. Are we in a position to go to war with Xi? And China over Taiwan. We we really weren't in a position to go to war with Russia in Ukraine, which we're doing, by the way. Well, we're not at war, Walker. Well, yes, we are. Our leader said we're at war. Go listen to the Democrats talk on the House floor. Go listen to Biden in his speeches talk about war against Ukraine. I mean, war against Russia. No, our, our leaders have said we're at war with Russia. All right, so we can say, well, well, Congress didn't authorize it, and so on. Well, no, that, that doesn't really matter, all right? We've been at war in 20 years in Afghanistan, and Congress never authorized that. They've authorized parts of it, but not 20 years' worth. And so we're at war with Russia, and we're really not in a, in a position to be doing that, but we are. But it, it, back to Taiwan and China and this apples and oranges and you know, if we don't send billions to Ukraine, then China's going to take Taiwan. All right, so how much of our medical pharmaceutical supply chain is tied up in China? That's a question we need to ask. Why? How beholden is America to China from a critical supply chain standpoint? And the reason this is important is because we can't go to war with anybody when they literally hold life-saving medications in their supply chain and they can withhold that from America within a, with a moment's notice. And so this goes back to a this goes back to the days of the early days of coronavirus. This is a article. That was published May 30th of 2019, which this is, this is, uh, this is pre-COVID days, by the way. So, so listen to this, and this has become more evident with COVID. But experts are warning, experts are warning, America has become too dependent on China for its medicine. Everything from painkillers to antibiotics and even aspirin can all be sourced back to a country that the Department of Defense considers an adversary. This goes back to the Trump era. 
All right, listen to this statistic. The Food and Drug Administration estimates that at least 80% of the active ingredients found in all of America's medicines come from abroad, primarily China. Rosemary Gibson, author of China Rx, said this, Imagine if China turned off that spigot. China's aim is to become a, the, the global pharmacy to the world. It wants to disrupt, to dominate, and displace American and other Western companies. And so this, this, is, this, this, this answers the question, is America in a position to go to war with China over Taiwan? The answer to that is absolutely not. And so back to the Senator Cruz clip. Senator Cruz can't genuinely believe that if we fund the Ukraine war against Russia, that all of a sudden that's going to fend off Chinese aggression. And if they want Taiwan, well, they're not going to now invade Taiwan because we went to war with Russia over Ukraine. And so we, we can't be taken serious when we don't take our own adversaries serious and so our supply chain is in a in a very vulnerable state from a national security standpoint we have semiconductors being made in china and 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 no one's really digging into why we're still having semiconductor i.e. chips computer chips why are we still having shortages on computer chips we're, we're two plus years past covid why are we still having issues getting computer chips nobody can answer that question they come from China. Is China withholding these semiconductors in order to damage America's economy? I don't know, but I think we should find out. And so we rely on much of our computer hardware coming out of China and our pharmaceutical supply chain, 80% of it, coming out of China. So America is not in a position to go to war with China over Taiwan. And we've got a lot of work to do to be in a position to where we could actually go to war with China to f defend Taiwan. Well, back back on the domestic front, as far as where America is, I came across this um, article in Zero Hedge. They publish a lot of economic news and commentary. And this was a warning. They were covering this warning from the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, NERC, is, is short there for that. And this regulatory body, they manage the grid stability in the U.S., North American Electric Reliability Corporation. Well, the NRE, NREC warned that power supplies in the western U.S. could be strained this summer as a historic drought reduces hydroelectric power generation due to falling reservoir levels and what's expected to be an unseasonably hot summer. But listen to this. Compound the hot weather backdrop with grids, power grids that is, decommissioning fossil fuel power plants to fight quote-unquote climate change and their inability to bring on new green power generation such as solar, wind, and batteries in time is a perfect storm waiting to happen 
that will produce electricity deficits that may force power companies into rolling blackouts for stability purposes. So this is a warning from this Electric Reliability Council. And this can be directly attributed to the policies of not just the Biden administration, because this is not a new, this is not a new phenomenon. This is not novel. This can be directly tied to the agenda of the Democrat Party to crush fossil fuels, which which they say is is dirty, and that and that the new thing is is the Green New Deal and the solar panels and the wind turbines, et cetera, et cetera. But th- this is all, as I mentioned, this is all a hoax. This, this narrative that fossil fuels are dirty and fossil fuels are bad for the planet, it's all built on faulty data, if any data at all. And so I really don't even like, like calling it green energy or renewable energy. Well, how renewable... How renewable is the solar panel when you don't have chips to build the solar panel? <laughs> and what goes in the chips? Well, all kinds of rare earth minerals. What goes in the batteries? Rare earth minerals that come from China. Not China sits on about 80 to 90% of, um, of the world's rare earth minerals. Lithium and cobalt that go into these batteries. So how renewable is the solar panel if you don't have the chips and all the technology and the hardware to build it? How renewable is the windmill? How's the, how renewable is the wind turbine <laughs> if you don't have wind to make it spin? How renewable is the battery storage center when you can't get the rare earth minerals out of China to build the batteries? So the wind turbines can put the power in the batteries to run your houses. How renewable is the Tesla when you can't find coal to run the coal power plant that sends energy down the electric grid so you can plug your Tesla into the nearest power bank? Folks, America is where we are today in part because of our energy innovation, because of coal, because of natural gas, because of fossil fuels. So to think that we're going to throw fossil fuels in the back of the bus and we're going to be running America on windmills and solar panels, boy, are we kidding ourselves. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow 
political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and a persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you? They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship. And you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. So at $5 a Bible, will you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. Ben Franklin was the president of the first anti-slavery society in the United States. This is Jim Garlow. Richard Bassett, a signer of the Constitution, converted to Methodism, freed all his slaves, and paid them as hired labor. John Quincy Adams fought to end slavery by removing the gag rule which forbid the House from considering anti-slavery petitions. Senator Charles Sumner's strong stand against slavery caused another congressman to beat him on the head with a cane while he was on the Senate floor. Slavery and racism are a sin problem, not a white on black problem. An important truth, often unknown or ignored today, is whites were not the exclusive slave owners or blacks the sole victims. It is certainly true in American history that blacks suffered disproportionate mistreatment, but racism is a sin and no sin is confined solely to one race or ethnicity. And Jesus is the only answer. There's more at wellversedworld.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the core here on American Family Radio. So glad to have you back with us on the show. Well, this is our last segment, and uh, I have an interesting poll done by a Democratic pollster, and we'll get to that here in a minute, so stay tuned for that. But, you know, the, the, the goal of the show and what I hope occurs during the hour that we broadcast each day here on the core is that we share truth and information that that opens the eyes and the ears and the heart and the minds of our listening audience. And and there really is, despite technology and the information era that we're in, there there isn't an abundance of truth out there. There's just not an abundance of truth out there. Thank God for our pastors, for our uh, church leaders, for, for Christians in this country who have boldness, who have courage, who have the power of the Holy Spirit living in them. But there needs to be more truth shared from Christians, more truth shared 
from God's people. And when I say truth with a capital T, God's truth. God's truth that we're all, all of humanity is in desperate need of redemption. All of humanity is in desperate need of spiritual redemption. It says that we're all sinners from birth. Ever since the fall in Genesis in the, in the garden, ever since Adam and Eve turned their back on God, disobeyed God, ignored God's instruction, man has since then had a sin problem, a sin problem of the heart. And each and every one of us is in desperate need of restoration of spiritual redemption. And thank thank thanks be to God that he intervened in my life, that he opened my eyes, that he took the blinders off my eyes, that he gave me the power of his Holy Spirit, that changed the way I think, the way I live, the way I talk, the way I think, the way I act. And so that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't be possible, as David says in Psalm chapter 25, it's not possible without him. And so that's the goal of the show is to bring that truth to you and to also share the truth about what's going on in this country where where we preside today as Christians, as salt and light, as the body of Christ, to bring the truth about what's going on, to cover stories that affect you, the audience, and that cover stories and decisions that our leaders, our, our civic leaders are making uh, so that you can be more informed, so that you can be more informed. We need Christian men and women in positions of power and influence in this country uh, to turn this nation in the right direction and to turn this nation in a direction that honors God. So that's part of being salt and light, and and we do it all uh, for the glory of God and with the goal of spreading uh, the truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying nation. So that's what, what our goal here is on the show. Well, I came across this poll. I told you I'd mention it when we started this last segment. But to 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 show you where the American people are, and this is people of all backgrounds, people of all stripes, to show you where the American people are as it relates to what issues they care about. And this is a separate poll than the one I covered last week. Last week I brought in a poll from NBC News. This poll is from Sean Cooperman Research. That's the name of the entity that conducted the poll, Sean Cooperman Research. And they are a Democrat polling firm. I mean, they, they run polls for the Democrat Party. And they ran this, this, this uh, poll titled National Reproductive Rights Survey. National Reproductive Rights Survey with the intention by running the poll to have voters tell the pollsters that abortion is the number one issue of the day. That's what they were going for. Hence, the fact that the National Reproductive Rights Survey conducted the poll, even though they don't believe in reproductive rights, because after all, you can kill the baby. But I digress. Here are the top issues according to the Democrat pollsters. 38% of voters said inflation and rising prices 
is the number one issue. Oil and gas prices is the number two issue coming in at 29% of voters. These are Democrats, folks. These are Democrats, mostly, taking this poll. That's the target audience here. The economy came in at number three, which really inflation, oil and gas prices in the economy, that could be bundled into one. But nonetheless, 24% said the economy and creating jobs is the fourth uh, most important issue for the voters. Border security and illegal immigration came in at number four at 24%. Affordable health care came in at 18%, or number five on the scale here. Protecting a woman's right to choose, i.e. abortion rights, the murder of babies in the womb came in at 18%, which was tied for number five on the issues that people care about, and it's multiple choice here, which uh, is why the percentages are so uh, voluminous. And so the American people care about inflation, rising prices, oil and gas prices, the economy creating jobs, border security, and illegal immigration, and affordable health care. Before they even want to talk about quote-unquote, a woman's right to choose. And the, 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 the polls also show that the majority of Americans are against abortion in some form or another. Some are completely against it, some are partially against it, but polls show that America is trending towards life. America is trending towards life. Now, that doesn't determine whether we fight for something or not because we're called to fight for what God believes in, to promote that which God believes in, to uplift that which God says is right, noble, and true, despite what polls say. But what I'm telling you is, if you watch the mainstream media conglomerates, you would think that America is all in for abortion and for killing babies. But that's just not true. America is overwhelmingly trending towards protecting babies at all stages of life. Well, moving to another topic that I wanted to mention on the show today is the uh, mask efficacy topic. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since we've discussed this because thankfully most of the, most of the mask mandates have uh, have subsided, if you will. But let's listen to clip one. Now, this is this is a, a lady named Laurie Garrett, and she is speaking in 2018, 2018, at a conference for the National Academy of Medicine. All right, so this is 2018. This is pre-COVID-19 at the National Academy of Medicine. Let's listen. There's only a couple of countries that have ever really done large-scale studies to try and figure out what might work. Japan, it may not surprise you, is one of them. And they, in one of their large studies, they basically showed that the masks, the, it seemed like the major efficacy of a mask is that it causes alarm in the other person. <laughs> and so you stay away from each other. And that's what I think happened with SARS. 
when I was in the SARS epidemic, I saw everywhere all over Asia, people started wearing these masks. And it is alarming when you walk down a street and everybody coming towards you has a mask on. You definitely do social distancing. You definitely, it's just a, a gut thing. But did the mask really help them? Did the mask keep the virus out? Almost certainly not. If, they, if the virus was in their, around their face, the mask would not have made the difference. All right, well, that was the truth before the truth became unpopular. That was the truth that is the truth before all the people with the megaphones, the microphones, began shouting at us that you have to wear a mask. The science, the data says that masks work at preventing the spread of an upper respiratory virus. That was the truth before the truth became unpopular. But the, the, the thing that stands out to me there is, is not the efficacy argument because there's something even more damaging, and that's the mental and emotional damage that is done from the mask. Because people may agree on, uh, disagree on the efficacy route, how much... Uh, how effective the masks are, and some say, "Well, well, look, even if it even if it helps one percent, wear it because you should love your neighbor." I mean, how many times have we heard that argument? But but that that argument, that discussion, is is based on is built on the presumption that the masks do no harm, that there is no downside, no negative to wearing the mask. But according to Laurie Garrett, who was speaking in 2018 at the National Association of Medicine in 2018, she said these masks, the studies we've done show that they have a very negative effect on people's psychological and their mental and their emotional state. When people see others with a mask on, they don't want to, they don't want to talk. They don't want to socialize. They don't want to smile. They turn the other way. They, they stay away. God created you and I to be social, to be communicable, to, to, to talk, to socialize, to interact, to smile, to hug, to handshake. The list goes on. And these masks, studies show that these masks have a very damaging psychological and emotional impact on our well-being. And that's why it's so wrong to force little children, little babies, to wear a cloth over their face for eight hours a day. It's wrong. It's damaging. It's not healthy. It's not good. And, and lastly, it's not effective. And study after study have shown that even the likes of Dr. Fauci began the pandemic by saying... Mask don't work is what he said, not my words. He said that. He said, don't wear a mask. They don't work. They make you feel good, but they don't work. That's Dr. Fauci. That's not Walker Wildman. And so um, there, there, there's more to the mask argument than simply efficacy, although there's strong arguments there. Uh, but the, the damaging effects of the mask from a psychological standpoint uh, should not be ignored. Well, uh, one other story I wanted to mention before we wrap up the show is something that 
Boy, did America move on from quick when it didn't fit the media narrative. And that is the efficacy of these shots, the efficacy of these shots, the COVID-19 shots that were forced onto Americans for months. Month after month, we were told you must, you have to, you'll be fired, you'll be shunned, you'll be displaced, you have no place in American society unless you get these shots. That was the narrative. It was a very brutal narrative, very hurtful narrative. Thousands of people were terminated from their jobs because they wouldn't get these experimental shots. Well, analysis of federal uh, data conducted by ABC News showed that more COVID-19 deaths occurred among the vaccinated and, um, and more breakthrough deaths are expected with more Americans reaching full vaccination status, experts warn. So listen to this. According to the new analysis done by ABC News, about 19% of COVID-19 deaths recorded were among the vaccinated in August of 2021. So this is back 2021. After six months, so we go from 19% of, of COVID-19 deaths recorded were among the vaccinated in August 2021. After six months, so fast forward to February 2022, the number of deaths in this group of vaccinated increased to more than 40%. 40%, so four in 10 deaths, four in 10 COVID-19 deaths are from the vaccinated. And now we know while the CDC and the FDA and others, they, they wanted to stop tracking this. Let's stop tracking who has a shot, who doesn't, the efficacy, the, the, the uh, number of people dying with these shots of COVID, with COVID. They, they, they wanted to stop it all. Let's stop tracking this, they said. No need to track this anymore. Well, why they didn't want to keep tracking it? Because the efficacy of the shots were waning and waning and waning as the weeks went by. And they didn't want that to come to light. Why? Because it would undermine their entire agenda to guilt every American citizen into getting these shots. And so 40% of deaths now, according to February 2022 data, are from the vaccinated. AFA at the core, good to be with you today on the show. We'll see you tomorrow. The, the views expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.